This is Politicking with Curtis Schoon. Today we have our new Africa correspondent for Schoon TV, uh, Hughes Guguletu. And um, he's in South Africa and he's going to educate the Schoon TV base followers, subscribers about the events in Africa. Because as you all know, Schoon TV is moving towards being a global platform, not just an American one. So Hughes, how are you, sir? I'm great, Curtis. Thank you so much for having me here on Schoon TV. Yeah, Africa is here. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, <laughs> uh, first thing, for my audience and people outside of South Africa, Give us a brief summary of the history of apartheid and what it was like for the South African people. Um, yeah, that's a, a very great question. I think I, I can take two hours <laughs> to talk about that, but I'm just going to give a, a, a brief description because I mean, I understand that globally some people really do not understand what apartheid is. Um, I think um, South Africa is one country that uh, has experienced immense apartheid, both uh, apartheid and colonialism, whereby if you compare with other African countries, um, it's just referred to as colonialism, whereas in South Africa, it was a combination of both apartheid and um, colonialism. Um, apartheid being the I would say the most brutal form of, of colonialism, um, there was apartheid laws and exam. I mean, it was a law. I mean, it came from the legislature at the time then by the colonial masters really, which was mainly the British um, and, the, um, and, and the Boers, obviously they, they originate from, from the Netherlands. Um, so, I mean, there were laws, uh, I mean, that were created to um, exclude the black person from, participating in economic activities. Um, and also, I mean, from accessing certain social um, or recreational areas. So also from a social perspective, there was, there were so many limitations as to uh, what things the black person can access or in what sectors the black person can participate in um, and where there were, um, there was, um, some form of um, where black person was allowed to perform in certain areas, then it would be for the benefit of the of the white man. Then, so it was a very brutal system uh, in terms of policy, but also in terms of the physical treatment of of, of black people. There was lots of killings. There was lots of shootings, um, incarceration without trial, and so forth. Well, though, uh, I'm, I'm I'm slightly familiar that there were the Boer Wars between the British and the Boers, who you both mentioned. And some, some African, South African tribes took sides in those wars, uh, or is that correct? What happened? Um, yeah, like you said, there was a war between the, the, the British and, and, and the Boers. It's actually called the Anglo-Boer War. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, they were all fighting for control of, of, of South Africa. The, the, the Boers felt like, like they were the original owners of, of what is known as South Africa today. Uh, obviously, the British came in after, obviously, um, with uh, Cecil John Rhodes in their own conquest after the Boers had already settled in here. So, I mean, like in all uh, scenarios where you, you face different social classes or racial classes fighting. In this case, it was the British and the, and the Boers fighting. So by nature, um, black people, obviously some black people were coerced into taking a, a certain side. It's not like the black men had real power then. I mean, these were two superpowers, if I may put it that way, were fighting over the control of the area or region called South Africa. So the black person at the time, they simply had to go with whoever their master was at that particular time. They really, the black man had no influence or any power to decide the course of, of, of the war, which direction is gonna take or which part is going to emerge victorious. 
So they just had to go with um, with what the immediate master, I mean, uh, was seeking. And you mentioned Cecil Rhodes now. Uh, the former country of Rhodesia was named after Cecil Rhodes, and he has a very brutal reputation with indigenous Africans in the continent. He's also He, he also has a, a, a scholarship or a title named after him called the Rhodes Scholar. For some reason, he's uh, thought to be a scholar, but this man was a tyrant and a despot and, 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 and a whole lot of other things. And he's celebrated in some cultures, but he wreaked havoc on the African continent. Is this not correct? This is 100% correct. Um, I think that's the, that's the modus operandi of tyrants. You know, they, they get projected as these people that have, um, brought so much progress into the world. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it also depends with the kind of literature that one gets to, to, to read or have their mind accustomed to or your brain accustomed to. Um, but I mean, like the way that you've put it is exactly what it is. He's, he's got a road scholarship fund. He, he, there is a university here in South Africa. Uh, it's called um, Rhodes University. Um, uh, he obviously, he, he, he colonized uh, South Africa. He was the first man, I mean, from Britain's side, I mean, settled in Cape Town. Uh, and his plan basically was to, to colonize Africa, I mean, all the way from the Cape to the Cairo. Um, he obviously did uh, end up in, in, in Rhodesia, which is now called Zimbabwe. It's named after him. Uh, he's actually buried in, 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 in Zimbabwe. That's where he, he is buried. Um, and Rhodesia also had two parts, which is two countries now. Uh, you've got Zimbabwe and you've got Zambia. Zimbabwe was then known as Southern Rhodesia. Zambia was known as Northern Rhodesia. So he was a man of great influence and he, he caused lots of untold suffering uh, to, to, to the black person. So obviously he's, he's but I mean, he still remains relevant um, in, in, in terms of, of um, the historical structures or that have been built in honor of him, like you just mentioned, there they, they is a university that's built after, named after him, there is a scholarship fund. Uh, there has been some statues that have been were erected, I mean, of, of him. I mean, some of them were destroyed. There was a time when, when he in South Africa, a couple of years back, we had a, a, a huge student movement that started from, from Rhodes University and it was called Rhodes Must Fall. Um, I mean, and part of that process was to ensure the decolonization of the of the education system in South Africa, and and also you know for for people to know who the real Cecil John Rhodes is. It 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 makes sense. It still doesn't make sense why um, in a democratic South Africa we 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 still experience untold suffering that. We can trace back to to Cecil John Ross in terms of the inequalities and 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 the general life of a of a black person. It, it doesn't make sense that we have got these statues of of these colonial greats, uh, tyrants that cause so much bloodshed in in South Africa and Africa as a whole. We've got their statues, uh, you know, that were erected and they are protected by the government of the day. Um, and then students took it upon themselves, you know, to to you know go in a mass mobilization um, project called the, the roads must fall. And I mean, it doesn't, it looks menial to some people when you, when uh, uh, students say we have to destroy the stage of this man because it doesn't represent the aspirations of South Africans. He doesn't represent the aspirations of, of Africans. And, and, and obviously you always have counter revolutionaries um, you know, socially programmed people that would then say, I mean, it's just a stage where it's not doesn't do any harm. How does it help you? I mean, it does help because I mean, it, it, it's all about the psych. There is African heroes, there is African greats that have uh, um, fought for the liberation of Africa or I mean, participated in the whole progression of Africa. Those are the people that, you know, we must have their statues set up uh, so that even when the kids, when they're growing, when they see these statues, you know, they know this is Steve Biko, this is Chris Honey, this is uh, Patrice Lumumba. Those are the people that we must celebrate our own people. Because at the end of the day, I mean, that's why it's so difficult now to, 
to educate certain people about, if you tell them that Cecil John Rhodes was a terror and they don't understand, you, you are a liar because one, this man, there's a university named after him. Mm -hmm. um, and it's an eminent university where everyone across Africa and across the world is rushing there for high quality education. Then, I mean, what message are you sending about this man, you know? Correct. Uh, you also mentioned that the, the Dutch, the Boers, they claimed that the land was originally theirs. Is this because that the Dutch East India Company had settled the Cape first before the British? They, they, didn't, they didn't consider the people who were there when they got there. They felt that it was their land because they were the first Europeans yeah. to get there. Is that correct? <laughs> 100%. The, the, the black men did not count to them. <laughs> yeah, it's the same everywhere because when they got to the, to the Western Hemisphere, they discovered the world, even though there were people there already. But those people and their history never matter to the colonizers, to the, you know, the Europeans. But so the, the next thing I want to ask you is um, moving forward. South Africa in the 80s was a very tumultuous place. The, the apartheid system was being deconstructed. But we've received one narrative. I think maybe there might be another narrative because I've heard conflicting accounts that uh, Mandela in his last years was not on Robben Island, that he was in different places like house arrest and they were negotiating his release, the rule of the ANC, and so on and so forth. And also, a lot of people don't know that South Africa was a nuclear power. And they denuclearized prior to power being handed over, so to speak. Could you elaborate on that for me, please? Um, yeah, that's 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 true. I, I, I also tend to lean towards the the narrative that says um, during the law towards the last years of, of his uh, imprisonment in 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 in, um, in uh, Robin Island, he could actually not have been there. He could actually have been under house arrest. I mean, I say that because the the Nelson Mandela that is being packaged and sold to the whole world is is definitely a Nelson Mandela that. Um, um, is, 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 is presented in good light, I mean, by the world so that everyone looks up to him in terms of, of how he uh, spoke about, you know, the rainbow nation, us being equal and being together and so forth, which, which is not uh, really what um, mattered uh, or for, for, for the people that fought for, for liberation, the Mandela that we're being sold is, is to be honest, to put it bluntly rather, is, is, is a white man's Mandela. And it's very much possible that um, Robin Island is staying in Robin Island. I mean, it, it was, it could have just been a smoke screen. It could have been there, but the bottom line is um, when South Africa finally got its independence in 1994 and Mandela, uh, was made the president. You know, you look at the events prior to that, there was um, Cordesa, um, uh, uh segment where the ANC and, and, and the National Party at the time and the other stakeholders met. And, it, and basically the, the independence became more of like a, a negotiated segment, something that had been decided behind closed doors that um, you, Nelson Mandela, you're going to be our next president, we give new political freedom, um, but we're going to retain the, the economic uh, rights and the economic powers. I mean, for, for the normal black person on the street, it, it, it meant a lot to see that um, you've got a black person for the first time as being a president. But that's just a political title. Uh, people did not understand that, I mean, I think behind the scenes, um, the Africaners, which is the Boers and the British, they made sure that this guy is going to be their black face to sell the idea of freedom, but we're going to retain the, the, the economic power. And, and, and I will challenge anyone to, to uh, uh, refute this. And, and I'm simply going to say, you have to look at the present day South Africa. It's, it's 
the most unequal society in the world. You've got a few white families that account for that own more than 60% of the means of production in, 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 in South Africa. That, that tells you, a, I mean, a, a lot about um, this thing that we, we were sold, that has been sold as a form of independence. Yes, the only things that change for the, for the black person then is it's um, apartheid laws were, 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 were repealed, laws like you, you could now go anywhere, freedom of movement, you could go where as previously you couldn't go to certain parts of Johannesburg or whichever, you've got now freedom to associate with whatever political party that you choose to without you being, uh, you know, having the police chasing you. Um, it's, it's, it's small victories really that are not material because until you've got economic power in your hands, then it's immaterial, your freedom. It means nothing at all. And, and Nelson Mandela really, I mean, uh, not disrespect to him and those who, who entirely believe in him, but uh, I don't see him as a man that really uh, did a lot or to, to ensure that the, the, the black masses are empowered economically. So like I said, his presidency for me was negotiated prior to uh, to him actually becoming going to the elections and coming out as the victor there. That was just a mere formality. It had already been decided at the Cortesa negotiations. And up to this day, um, that's why the minutes of, of those negotiations, you know, they remain a secret. They are not being released. I mean, why do you have to sell such information that is that was uh, crucial to to, to uh, the movement from apartheid rule regime to um, a democratic state, if I may put it that way. So um, uh, he's, he's a well-packaged uh, guy. Uh, he's been sold uh, by, by uh, corporates and, and, and other global governments as the global. true emblem of, of, of progress and, and freedom and liberation. But yeah, it's just political you know, talk. It's, it's, there's no value to, to, to what he, he offered. Well, a couple of things from, from what you just said. I happen to believe that Mandela was the forerunner for Barack Obama in America, for a black man to be seen as a world leader and promoted to the world as such to make it more acceptable for Obama to become president. Now, some would say that's conspiratorial talk but I think the powers that be, that rule the world, they have long-term plans and they understand the conditioning of thought, how to socially prepare people for certain shifts that are to their benefit. Now, what, what's the, the demographic in South Africa racially? Because I understand blacks are at least 85% of the population. And mm. then you, and you, you mentioned a, a few white families control over 60% of the economy. But then there's the, the Gupta, I believe, is that how they're uh, mm. pronounced. And uh, those are East Indians who are in South Africa. And they're part of a, a merchant class. They may not be as high up the ranks as the whites, but they are higher than the blacks. So how did this happen? Because this is consistent all over the world, but South Africa is, is very intriguing to me because here we have black people who outnumber everyone. How did this happen? And, and I say this with all due respect because if, if, we, if we bring to the forefront the machinations of those people who subjugate us, even when we outnumber them, it'll be a little bit more understandable for when we're a minority as we are in the West. So how did these people solidify power and dominate Africans on African soil? Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a very 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 great question. So, like I mentioned, um, the the whole 
uh, power handover from from um, white rule to black rule, where we had Mandela emerge as the first black president. It was political, like I said before, it's, it's just political, but then politics or political power without um, uh, control over the economic aspects is, is, is just uh, useless power. It's, it's, it's not power at all. It's academic power, if I may put it that way. Because, Symbolic power, that's what I call it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just an emblem. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so when Mandela became president, these guys who were owning the economy and the means of production prior to 1994, they didn't lose anything after independence. Actually, if there is anything that they did, they they they, they solidified their, their their power. You know, their economic power. They they understand. I think, like you said, the the people who really have control over power or politics, they they play the long game. They've got a long term strategy. They they knew that. I mean, once we 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 have this guy here as the first black president. And then, you know, we're going to have less people talking about the need to own means of production. You know, we just, this guy is going to be the opium, the drug just to, you know, just put imaginary uh, flowers on their chains and make them feel great like they're victorious. That's what happened. You slowed down because obviously prior to 1994, there was a serious war. I mean, uh, that can never be taken for granted. There's ANC, PAC, uh, they had military wings that, that went into, you know, um, into direct confrontation, military confrontation with, uh, with the colonizers. Obviously, there was assistance from Russia, from, from China, from other African countries that did independence already. So, I mean, it was a fully waged uh, war and, and the people who went into war, they understood that their mandate was to ensure that um, the end goal is to make sure that the black man owns the means of production, uh, the black man owns this economy, and the black man is not going to be uh, a subject of the white man in any form or sphere. If ever there's gonna be any working together, then it, it, it's going to be collaboration. It's, it, it's, it's going to be treating each other fairly as human beings. It's going to be you know, creating a, an environment where um, everyone has got access to opportunities regardless of race, but also most importantly, redressing the inequalities of the past, because we cannot run away from the fact, from the fact that there was massive dispossession of land and means of production from the black person. Uh, that's why the land question is still a thorny issue in South Africa and all other African countries. Um, so this, this, this few white families, the Oppenheimers, the Ropets, they, they, they own the means of production, they own the mines, they, they own uh, the media, they own anything that you can think of, the health systems, they are everywhere. So they own all this. So when Mandela became president, it was just political, and I'm, 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 he understood that his mandate was just to be that person there who's going to be fronting. Um, but then these guys continued. Instead, what they did, uh, they solidified their position. They made sure that they amass even more wealth. They, you know, because now you know you've you've kind of like um, put the fire out. You know, people are now fooled that they've got a black president. We now run this country. So you get, so those guys had the opportunity on the back end to, you know, entrench um, uh, their power. So nothing changed. I mean, from independence, so they continued dominating the more than eighty-five percent black population as they still do today. And and now there is talk of 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 uh, the Gupta family. Um, one interesting fact is that outside of India, um, uh, Deben, the city of Deben, which is a coastal city in, in KZN, um, is home to. Uh, Indian, more Indians than any other place in the world outside of India. So Deben is actually sometimes referred to as legal India because that's where you've got the largest concentration of Indian population outside of India. So we've got Indians that um, South Africa basically is over the years, obviously is the only home that they know. Obviously, originally they came from 
their ancestors came from India, they settled in South Africa way before independence and so forth. Some of them were actually involved, I mean, were active in the, in the war for, for liberation because also like black people, Indians, is they, they were also subject to, to apartheid laws, though there was a hierarchy, there was a strata where, okay, the Indian maybe can do this, we can allow the Indian to do this. Indian is slightly uh, on top of the, of the black person and the colored person. The black person is at the best. You know, it's right there at the bottom, and then Indians were given access to certain things that the black person could not access. But overally, they they were also you know um, victims of the apartheid system. Um, so I mean, with the Gupta family, obviously they they came to South Africa um, just after independence. Uh, this particular Gupta family, I think before in the, just before independence in the nineties. Um, but what's what were what the world is being um, uh, sold or told about these guys is not uh, it's it's meant to divert you know uh, attention away from the, from the real people that have captured the the South African economic system and it's these same families that I'm referring to because if I the Gupta family they they, they never had any impact, I would say like considerable impact on, on the South African economy as far as ownership of means of production. I, I know of one mine, uh, coal mine, one or two coal mines where uh, they were shareholders in, they had a media company, they had a computer company. It's, it's very minimal, it's less than a percentage, whatever amount of, of, of capture that they had. And then you compare it to these guys, uh, the open hammers and the rockets that, um, you know, they, they control like more than 60% of, of, of the country's economy. Those are the real guys that are capturing the state. And we, that's the question that people should be asking. How is it possible that, um, you know, there's so much investment on these guys uh, and talk on these guys that own uh, less than a percent, you know, of, of the economy, but no one is talking about these guys that own 60 or 80 percent of the economy. So, and, and you realize soon realize that the, the onslaught against the Gupta family is actually driven by the same guys that own more than 80 percent of the economy because they feel like, okay, now these guys, um, they've got. Um, ease of access to the government of the day at the time before this new administration that we have now. Those guys had access to, to, a, to a smaller extent, really. So the open hammers, they felt like their stranglehold on the government was threatened. It wasn't an immediate threat, but like you mentioned, you, you put a good point that these guys, they always play the, the long game. They, they always plan ahead. They know very well that these Guptas, they are of no significance in as far as the, the uh, impact to, to economic uh, ownership of the economy is concerned. But they play the long game. They're like, okay, if these guys have got uh, this minimal access to the government of the day now, and if they are allowed to continue, then it means that maybe 20 or 50 years from now, these guys might end up giving us some serious competition. So now what we do now, we need to do some serious PR um, and, and, and we make sure that, uh, you know, we, the whole world knows that these guys are bad people. They've brought South Africa to its knees. They've destroyed South Africa. They are the most corrupt people in the world. Uh, the world must deal with them and so forth. You know, it's, it's just an agenda that these people are driving. And these are the people that, like I mentioned, that own more than 60% of the economy. And, and this cannot be normal that you have these few families um, owning so much wealth. Um, and then you've got the majority people uh, being still poor. Like, I mean, like I mentioned, I mean, it's, it's, it's a sad situation that South Africa is a very resource rich country in extract, extractives and, and, and agricultural industry. You can mention lots of things but the black person uh, has just been reduced to uh, a consumer. You know, you, most people, they are just a salary away from total poverty. And, and, and we've had a creation of, of this middle class, it's called black middle class, you know, um, and, and it's fooling a lot of people because just because you can access a bank loan or 
vehicle finance loan, then you feel like um, you know, you you own something, you 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 own, but that's not the truth. You know, you you just being used. Um, you know, it's just another level of ensuring that the the there is always constant misunderstanding and misalignment between the black people because now what we see the people now refer to as the black middle class those are the same people that um are quick to dismiss anyone who talks of the need for 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 black people to own the means of production they are the ones that are very quick to dismiss anyone who talks about revolution and who talks about the land question why is the land not being redistributed you know those are the first people so now we faced with a situation where it's a war between um black people and and it's done on purpose by the people who are playing the long game their strategy they know i mean you you cause confusion amongst them they're gonna fight on their own divide and conquer divide exactly. and conquer yes that's what it's called um, yeah the 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 land first, as far as the Indians, the Guptas or whatever, there's reports of a lot of tension between blacks and Indians in South Africa. Is that true? How violent has it become? I'm hearing talk of looters being shot and, and killed and so on and so forth. And how, how do you see this play it out? Where is it going? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very true. Um, so like I mentioned that uh, during the apartheid years, um, there were different stratas. Obviously, you've got the white person right at the top there, right? Um, these are the guys who control the, the economy. You know, when you control the economy, you control the government. Um, they're at the top there. Um, and then you obviously then you've got other white people that are not really involved in 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 uh, terms of economy means of production ownership you know they're just citizens doing their own thing they then they just come underneath uh, the main uh, guys that run the economy and then you've got the Indians like I said it's structures then you've got the Indians um, there's certain things that they could not access because they're Indians, you're not white at the end of the day, but okay, Indian, we're going to give this much access. Uh, and then you've got the colored community under the Indians, uh, then okay, colored, okay, there's certain things that you can access, but the Indian is somehow above you a bit. And then you've got black people right at the bottom. One second, Hughes. I understand what you're saying, but I want to make sure that the, the viewers are following. Coloreds are biracial people, mixed background, mm -hmm. white and, and, and African. Yeah. And, and they're not really fully accepted by either. Could you just elaborate on that before you continue for me, please? Well, from, from, from what I know uh, here in South Africa, colored people, mostly they are concentrated in Cape Town. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, the bulk of them, they, they identify themselves as being in more in close proximity to white people than black people so they look down upon black people basically that's it that's constant around the world it's yeah. like having two parents your father <laughs> like, all, has all the money so the kids favor daddy because daddy gives them gifts all the time and takes them shopping yeah. this is it's, just it's, human nature all over the yeah, world it's, yeah it's it's like it's, it's like the tyler perry movies where it's always the 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 guy the light-skinned guy that's the savior uh, yeah 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 <laughs> and it's, it's the same so, way in america man it's the same yeah it's a it's so fascinating i love this conversation because I'm hoping that people who see it, even if they're not concerned with South Africa, they can see the patterns and get yeah. to understand that it's the same game all over the world. So now you're saying the coloreds are under the Indians and then the, the blacks are under the coloreds, correct? Yeah, the, the black person is right at the best thing. So obviously, and then you've got attitudes developing. That's where all these attitudes, for example, in the South African context started where the, the Indian feels like is, is obliged to look down upon the black person because, well, the black person is down there, he cannot access these things that I can do, he's, he's, he's less human. But also with India, you know, I'd like to refer to the, to, to the Indian caste system, you know, they, they've got in India, they've got that, you know, very horrible caste system where uh, you have the people that are rich, they're at the top, 
within Indians, they've got their own caste there, then you've got the mixed ones, and then the bottom one, you've got the untouchables, you know, the dirty Indians. So it's almost like, you know, who, when, who when are they, always darker, by the way. Even yes. in India, <laughs> but, but go ahead, carry on, sir. I don't yeah, mean to interrupt you, but go ahead. Darker than Van Blacks. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, so obviously, when they came into, into, into South Africa, obviously, they carry that mentality. That's what they've been socialized into, right? So now they, they see themselves as, a, as, a, as, as being better than, than, than um, Black people and, and, and the apartheid system, because they play the long game, they understood the Indian mentality. They started the Indian mentality uh, that these people, they've been socialized in this way. So in, in, this is how we're going to perpetuate uh, their thought process by you know, ensuring that you know, we give them access to certain things that black people cannot. You know? We treat them a little bit better than black people uh, so that's what happened. So now the Indian is 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 very hostile to the black person historically because I mean the apartheid system gave you know uh, the Indians you know first preference for certain things and, and and loved them more than they would love black people. So that was internalized by the Indian population so much that they definitely looked down. They're racist. Um, Obviously, you will have um, without the risk of generalizing, but I mean, we, we have to call it what it is. It's, it's racism. It's, there is no other better word for it. They are very racist towards um, the black person. Um, and, and the recent events that happened in, in, in South Africa are testimony to that. You know, there, there's lots of, 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 of uh, issues that we hear every day or we experience every day. Black people experience every day in workplaces. I've, I've, I've worked in in companies where there was a mixture of, of Indians and whites and so forth. And it's, it was very clear that I'm, I'm black here, this one is Indian and they are, you know, um, entitled to, to treat me or other black people in a particular way. You know, you just have to be strong enough and challenge them. Then they start, you know, uh, moving <laughs> back. Yeah, so <laughs> so, so, so it's, it's, they are very racist. So what happened in South Africa recently, we had unrest, which, took lots of different dimensions. Um, I think like I mentioned in the article that I wrote, there's lots of dimensions that it took, but uh, of particular interest is how um, the Indians in, in, in a certain section of Gabon uh, treated black people. So just to give some context, there's an industrial area, it's called Konupia somewhere in Gabon. That's where some of the looting was happening. There was warehouses and so forth and shops. So people were looting. So, so you're coming from a black area, township. It's called townships this side. Um, so there's different black townships and then there's Indian townships, you know, that way Indian township, it will be predominantly Indian. And then black townships, mostly it's black, black people because Indians will never go, you know, and, and stay in a black area. So now the people have done their loot. Um, some, they're not even looting. You know, it's people coming from work. It's people coming from hospitals. It's people coming from buying whatever they were doing, you know, going uh, with their normal everyday life. And the only road that leads you uh, back to your township or to your home is, is, is through the, 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 the Indian um, area or township area. So now, every black person that was passing through the area was being stopped. These guys, they, they, they were wielding guns, you know, they, they were blocking roads. Every black person that's coming through, you get stopped, you get beaten up, you get killed, you get pulled out of the cars. If you were looting something from the shop, then your loot is going to be looted by the Indians. They'll take it and they'll kill you. Um, these bodies, like now, it's more than 300 bodies that are still not in the mortuary. No one is going to identify them. There's bodies that are lying in the bushes. There's families looking for their uh, family members. Um, and, and all these people were killed by the Indians that were shooting them. They were like these videos, gruesome videos of, 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 of those incidents. And it, it was plain racism. It didn't matter whether you're coming from work or whether you're coming from hospital, your crime was to be black. So you had to be dealt with, you had to be killed, you had to be tortured, you had to be beaten up. So just being black was the reason for, 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 for um, 
what's now called the Phoenix Massacre. It's called Phoenix Massacre because they, this particular area or township, this Indian community is called Phoenix. So it's now called the Phoenix Massacre. And, and I find our government very wanting, you know, um, which, which is very bad also because now the government is not focused on, on, on getting to the bottom of those racist uh, incidents. No arrest has been made of any Indian person that killed black people. Those people were live on videos seen doing that. I mean, they've seen them, they've seen the videos, but the, the government is, is only interested in um, recovering stolen goods from black communities. They've dispatched soldiers to go into people's houses and without, you know, search warrant is unlawful on its own, you know? That's what they're focused on. They're complaining about, you know, the, the impact to the economy. Yes, there was an impact. You understand that we're not um, doing any reductionism. Um, um, and they are worried about the shopping centers that were, that were uh, looted or destroyed. But then again, it takes us back to economic ownership patterns. Then now you have to understand like who owns the means of production, who owns those shopping centers, who owns those warehouses that were, were destroyed or looted. Um, you know, then you, you begin to have um, to see the answers to, to the cause of all this. But then, like I say, the government is, is, is ignoring um, this massacre, this genocide that happened in, 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 uh, in, in uh, Durban. So yeah, it's just plain racism. There's nothing else for it. It wasn't, no one gives anyone the power. There's no law that says um, that because you are Indian, you can block the road at any given time. You can bring out your weapons or guns and make sure that every black person that passes through here, uh, you search them. There's no law like that. So they took the law onto their own hands, you know. Um, but again, this, this is a, a big display of the attitudes that the Indian community has, you know, towards black people. It wasn't something that was an instant reaction to whatever was happening in the country. And I mean, for the record, there were Indian and, and white people that were also looting the, the shops. So it, it's now being, you know, put across as if it's a, it's a black phenomenon. It's, it's, it's black people be, being uncultured, which is not true. I mean, using logic, you've got more than 85% of, of the population being black. So if you use that logic, I mean, it, it becomes clear that obviously in any case that happens or in any uprising that happens, you're going to have more black people by, by, by virtue of that. But it, it doesn't necessarily translate to black people being uncultured, you know. Um, so now, you know, these guys took the law upon their own hands to police the black person. It's a perpetuation of their attitudes that they've always had towards the black race. It stems from apartheid. It also stems from the, the Indian caste system. That's how they, they see the black person. Like I said, we see it a lot in corporate South Africa, um, the treatment of, of black people by um, Indians. Okay. Um, no group of people are a monolith. And that includes black people. When Mandela was assuming power, there were a lot of uh, tension between the ANC and Nkata with Butelezi. So the Zulus and the ANC, and the ANC has Zulu members, correct? Mm -hmm. But the Zulus under Nkata and the ANC, they were feuding, there were some, some horrible massacres and so on and so forth. I am not an advocate of violence, but all over the world, black people seem to have this ease with committing violence upon each other. How is it now that black people are the victims of violence on a scale that you just described and no one is doing anything about it? And also, who is the president now? Is it not the ANC still in charge? Is it a different government? And why are they not addressing this? Have they totally abandoned the people? Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the violence, uh, if, yeah, like you said, they, there is always a propensity to, to solve things uh, 
through violence, um, you know, obviously it, it also stems from the, the culture of, 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 of um, from, from apartheid system, you know, it, it, it gave birth to, to this violent rebellion because it's the only language that the system could understand, but that's not an excuse for anything. So now what's happening is, um, like you mentioned, there was a time when Ingata Freedom Party under Tedes, you know, was involved in the killings of black people. But then Ingata Freedom Party was working with, um, with the apartheid people, you know, the, the, the same white people that were responsible for, yes. for, for, for apartheid. So that divide in Congo, you know, there's, there's, it's said because there's always willing black people that are willing to carry the mandate of the white person and, and take it to five extremes. There's always black people. Obviously it's, it's, it's this social engineering. So now these guys that have got political power, the black people, that have got political power, you know, they, 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 they get, because they've got access to this comfortable life that the majority black person uh, does not have access to, um, they, they, their sole mandate is to ensure that uh, they're not interested in the wide scale progression of the black person for, it's for them and their immediate families. And, and, and then they ensure that by all means, um, their gains uh, are protected, but their gains are ill-gotten because it's coming, it's emanating from deals with, with, with uh, you know, these white-owned businesses, white powerful people that have got a very bad attitude towards black people in general. So instead of the white person, the white person is too busy to be, you know, to be the one beating up black people, but is is certain to get willing black people that can do the job for him. And this the divide in Congo also. Uh, that's what happened with 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 um, Ngata Freedom Party. There's lots of black people that were killed, and and these are the people that were working with Declack, who was the last apartheid government. And by the way, he, he he's still you know he's still alive. The government is still paying you know paying him a salary. He's is responsible for the deaths of, of many black people. He's being well taken care of. And meanwhile, we've got a, a black president that's been, you know, the former president that was recently incarcerated without uh, without any trial for contempt of court. A civil case. It's not even criminal. And 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 you 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 then uh, imprison such a such a person, a former head of state. The current president is, is Cyril Ramaphosa. Is is a, is a, is a obviously ANC president also, uh, but the interest that he's serving is the interest of, of, of the white person, is the interest of the white corporates. By the way, when Mandela became president, um, Cyril Ramaphosa was poised as the man uh, to be the one to take uh, after Mandela, to take over the reins after Mandela. I say poised, uh, not by black people, not by the black population, but by the same people who made sure that Mandela becomes the president. They had a plan, long plan that after Mandela, they've got their list, it's going to be this one. And you must ask yourself why, why they made those preferences. For, for Cyril Ramaphosa, it's, it's, it's very clear he's, 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 been, he's been in bed with corporate companies and multinational, multinationals that are, you know, I really um, uh, hostile towards black progression. He's been their, their poster boy for, for a long time. Um, there was a time in 2012 where we had uh, miners, uh, South, like I said, South Africa is rich in minerals, platinum, gold, and so forth. In the year 2012, there were miners uh, in a province of South Africa called uh, Northwest that were protesting. They wanted the salary increment. Um, and, and you know they, they down their tools um, because they wanted this increment minimum 12,000 rents. I don't know what's the exchange rate today, but it's minimal. I'm sure if you call you convert to the US dollar, it's minimal, but it would have meant a lot. That was 2012. Um, and, and, and Cyril Ramaphosa, there is emails that he, he was deputy president then, you know, he, he sent out emails saying, um, you know, is, is communicating to, to obviously the key stakeholders, the people on the mines, the people on the means of production that he says, um, uh, this is a plainly 
uh, does that uh, criminal activity and concomitant action must be taken. It must be treated as such. You know, a day after I sent those emails, 12 or so minors were shot dead by the police, right? Up to this day, he hasn't even gone to meet those families. That was in 2012 when he was um, deputy president. So, I mean, the NC is, is very much complicit in, in all in, in all what's happening in South Africa and all things that are happening in South Africa in, in so far as inequality of the black person is concerned, in so far as the entrenchment of power in the hands of the white man is concerned, uh, the ANC is a willing partner in that setup. So it's not the whole in ANC in its entirety, but um, you know, there is a ploy, the people that, you know, on the means of production, they 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 using capital. They using their money because they can afford to buy um, ANC conferences or ensure that delegates are brought to vote in a certain way, so that their preferred candidate emerges as the president and eventually gets to be voted as president in parliament. That's what happened with this uh, with this guy um, Cyril Ramaphosa. So it's it's there is people in ANC that are very much they understand that their assignment when they fought for freedom was to ensure economic emancipation of the black person and those people are being you know a target of of of, of media because the mainstream media is owned by the same white companies that i've been referring to or families that own um the economy they they are, they are targets some of them they're getting suspended and, and some of them are getting killed and so forth but also you'd know that um, prior to independence, there is very strong uh, black men uh, and women that were killed because they were they could not be bought. You know, they they, they turned down the offers to be used by 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 white men. I mean, case in point, we had, we had Steve Biko was assassinated. I think in, in 1987 or so. Uh, there is Chris Honey who was also assassinated in 1993. These are all people that um, you know, they were revolutionary to the core. They understood the black assignment and what it means and what was required. Those people were eliminated. Um, it's the same with Jacob Zuma who's been incarcerated. He was president at, at, at some stage, uh, but there has always been this um, spirited fight or attacks on him by white monopoly capital to you know, paint him as this person that has caused untold suffering to, to the South African uh, 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 citizens. But if you look at the states uh, during his term, two terms of office, more black uh, people, more black companies, more black small businesses had access to um, government tenders or jobs. They, 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 people were generally, you know, there was lots of access to different of opportunities. He was really trying his best to open up the market so that black people can you know, participate. The land question, he was pushing for it. Unfortunately, he, he could not, um, you know, because he wasn't a dictator, he could not um, push certain um, policies on his own through by force. It had to go through the ANC structures and, 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 and within those ANC structures, you've got those uh, black people that are basically working for the, for the white men. So they'll frustrate any intention or any move that um, would seek to, uh, uh, you know, lead to some redress of the economic inequalities in, 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 in South Africa. Eventually he had to resign because there was a spirited attack on him. He must fall, he sold as this guy that is called and told suffering and it's a total lie. Unfortunately, most people, the only form of media that they access is mainstream media and, and they, they, they don't go beyond that to verify certain issues. And I like what you say the other time, I watched your interview when you, 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 you spoke about um, indoctrination and education and about how, um, you know, some people think from the neck down instead of, of from, the, from the neck up. So that's what's, that's what's happening. You know, you, you just give them, they just get what they take, what they give in as gospel, but, you know, and then, but if you begin to analyze and you have a critical mind, and then you realize that, you know, you're just being sold a dummy. 
um, the truth of the matter is that South Africa is, is, is um, still under white rule. There is still a white gap of, of, of uh, uh, inequality in South Africa. Um, the life chances for the average black South African have reduced to the minimum. So it's, it's a very bad scenario. Um, I think no matter how much PR is done for, for these powerful people, you know, um, we've got a duty as, 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 um, as, as people who really practice critical thinking to, you know, debunk certain myths. Because remember, if you repeat a lie over and over again, it, it ends up becoming the truth, the truth yes. you know. And, and, you know, so we have to take that risk of being the dissenting voice. And, and, and at least tell people the other side of the story, uh, then the people decide on their own with the facts before them. And I think if, if mainstream media was doing that, where, you know, you, you, you're giving people the story as is, you know, and then you let people decide for themselves what makes more sense to them, instead of taking a particular side or, or narrative, then you know, I think we'll be having a more informed population, not only in South Africa, but um, in the world, but also talking about the media. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing seeing the editorial policy in terms of what they publish, the posture that they take. Um, if, if, if you are a critical person that thinks you will then begin to analyze the media ownership patterns, who owns the media? Uh, who are the shareholders, what is their interest, what is their attitude towards certain things, then you begin to realize why this editorial policy is taking a certain direction and not that one. Okay. You, you know, I, I don't cut you off because you will have a wealth of information, man, and I want it all. I got about three more topics I want to touch with you, but I want to revisit something. You seem to have a favorable opinion of Zuma. And uh, the media, the importance of the media, I'm gonna show you. So I'm not a South African. I know some things about South Africa, probably more than the average black American, but I read a story about Zuma years ago where a woman said that Zuma had, had said, well, he wasn't worried about HIV because all he had to do was take a shower after having sex. So, so there, there was, as you were talking, I'm now understanding the attempts in the media to make this man seem primitive and incompetent to undermine his presidency. You see what I'm saying? Because again, when black people, even in politics in America, they get in office and they begin to do anything for the black population, they get maligned. Whether that be uh, Coleman Young Sr. in Detroit or Marion Barry in Washington, DC. Now, no politician, I don't care what party they're from, are perfect. So if you're looking for flaws, you're gonna find them. Yeah. But they exacerbate the flaws in the people they wanna get rid of and they cover the flaws for the people they want to maintain, right? Okay, so now Cyril Ramaphosa, is he the politician that was vocalizing talk of land redistribution? Am I mistaken with that? Or was that someone else? Because there was a lot of talk about that. And whether he is or isn't, what is your take on land redistribution in South Africa? Um. Land redistribution in, 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 in South Africa, like it's it's a it's a very delicate matter because without land, basically you you've got no control of the economy. The the people that like I like I said, um South Africa is rich in minerals. It is not only South Africa, it's the case in Africa. Africa is a is a mineral rich continent, and then the minerals rest in the land there. So if you if you do not have ownership of the land, um, and there's just absolutely no way that you can uh, control uh, the economy. So the average uh, Black South African has no access to to means of production in the form of of mines or or farming land or game farms. Um, 
you know, there's there's lots of, for example, lots of of uh, USA and European and Chinese companies that are so big on on game farming and and trophy hunting. I'm sure it's some of the things that we'll talk about in the future. But you know, th these these animals that they come and hunt here for trophy hunting purposes and photo shooting and so forth. You know, they 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 roam the lands, the South African land, which is um still not owned by black people there's no black person that's benefiting from that ownership you know uh, the closest that a black person really can get to with a few exceptions is being a a a tour guide tour guide so it's it's um it's a very delicate situation and without the redistribution of land in south africa we are always going to have this constant uh unrest constant uh confrontations uh, between the races and between the social classes, because at the heart, at the heart of 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 the problems in South Africa is the is the is the land issue. Black people do not own land, and when I say land, you know, it's it's, it's not just land because one has got a, a piece of land to build a house. It's productive land, you know, the the this certain land which is good for certain things, and and even if you're going to redistribute the land, you're not going to uh, uh, give people pieces of land in where they dry, reserved dry areas with no hope for anything. Uh, it needs to be productive land. Um, and when when Cyril Ramaphosa talks about land, you know, he's, he's just being um, cosmetic about it. He he has the option. He's a politician. That's I mean, what I thought. That's what I thought. That's why I mentioned it. <laughs>